So we've uh, already seen the essence of the Easter Sunday story there in John 21 to 10. I just want to read the following five verses. 11 to 14. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. Mary. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. There she is crying at the tomb. She turns around. She doesn't realize that it's Jesus. And the principle here is the same as the story that Luke tells when he talks about the two on the road to Emmaus. It took time for them to recognize Jesus. He didn't look like the Jesus that they knew. And it's only when he broke bread in their home that they recognized him. It's only when he spoke that they recognized him. And scripture tells us that their eyes were opened. This morning I want to talk about recognizing Jesus in three different ways. Firstly, within our personal daily perspectives, the here and now, the Monday mornings. Second, about recognizing Jesus within others. And then the third looks at the grander kingdom perspective. That is, recognizing Jesus in what we call the meta-narrative, the bigger story, the overarching story from the very beginning. And hopefully we'll see something of the miracle of God's great kingdom purposes for all of our lives from the start of time up until now. So let's talk about firstly recognizing Jesus in our personal lives. Neither the two on the road to Emmaus nor Mary Magdalene saw Jesus immediately because they didn't expect to. Both events happened on the same day of the week, the first day. Mary didn't recognize Jesus in the morning and the two on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize him in the evening. Here at our core, we're taking a partnership very seriously. We're talking more and more about it in our community. But I want to urge you, wherever you are this week, to take a moment consciously. I know you do this, but I want to make it more conscious and more obvious and more, more in your face today about the importance of asking Jesus to partner with you. Will you consciously say this week at some point, Jesus, I'd like you to work with me. 
I know some people who put a symbol in their workplace, not necessarily a cross, not necessarily an icon. Um, some of you will remember songster leader Muriel Yendall from many years ago. Uh, she was the headmistress of a large North London comprehensive, and she had a big script in her office which simply said, it came to pass. Every few hours, when you're working, or when you're at college, or when you're in your home, can you pause and look at something that brings beauty to you, which reminds you that God is at work in the whole world and in you right where you are? Can you pray for power? Can you work with Jesus? You have to work anyhow. And when you get to the end of the day, rather than feeling, I didn't get enough done, which I suppose is a common phrase that we all use, but you might just feel that although you may not have got enough done, you gave the divine more time than usual. That you worked consciously with Jesus, that this day you recognized him more fully in the everyday, ordinary things of life. The second thought talks about recognizing Jesus in others. I imagine there are times in all our lives when we don't recognize Jesus in somebody else. Yet the most unlikely person holds a precious piece of Christ within them. For they, we, are his creation. And Jesus said, when you serve the least of these, you've served me. How amazing it is to recognize the Lord of lords, the exalted lords in each other. How enlightening it is to do that. And this means we treat one another as more than a friend more than a colleague, more than a child. I remember many years ago, my parents in the 60s, this is, we soldiered at Upper Norwood Corps in, South, in what was then the South London Division. And as you'll probably know, those of you who have been brought up in this movement, in those days there were very, a lot more larger corps than there are today, particularly in that division. And I was in the young people's band at Upper Norwood. Uh, and I had a little Salvation Army uniform and a little red... Uh, Jumper with a crest on. Remember those? And the little button on the shoulder. And navy blue shorts. And the little blue socks with the two red bands at the top. And they had to be visible because they were important. And I had to do that. And we had little caps on. And we went specially one day to Thornton Heath Corps, which in those days was a very large corps as well. Uh, and our young people's band went down there to, to do some Sunday afternoon uh, uh, event, and we were going out to the open air with the rest of the corps at about two o'clock, I think it was. And I went out and I forgot one of my tune books because I was a bit forgetful. Uh, so I ran back in from outside into the hall, picked up my tune book from my place where I put my stand, and as I was walking out, somebody shouted at me at the top of their voice, how dare you come into this hall with that cap on? Get it off immediately, otherwise I'll send you back to your own corps. That was nice. That was nice. I was 10. I was 10. Real venom. That was 50 years ago, and I've never forgotten it. I'm sure the, the old chap has gone to glory, or somewhere, but... <laughs> Sorry. 
But there was real, real venom. There was a real venom there. He didn't see me as a child of Jesus. He saw me as one who broke his law. He spent his time worrying about rule and law. He couldn't see Jesus in others, even if it was a child like me. But I'd not forgotten it. And there is a truth, which is this. In the religious setting, some have looked at others, and instead of seeing Jesus, have seen somebody that they have labeled. It's in our history, unfortunately, the church I'm talking about. So I ask as before, in your weekday, can you actually stop to pause and pray, in whom will I see Jesus today? And then watch with all holy wisdom and insight. We do stereotype. We do look for the wrong things in others, even church friends. And through many years of sitting in many church meetings, not only in the Salvation Army, but I've seen those with the attitude of, I'm more spiritual than you. You kneel when I stand. You stand when I sit. You say core. I say church. You wear ordinary clothes. I wear special ones. You take bread and wine. I focus on other symbols. You're silent. I clap my hands. I sing. You don't. You don't have my labels. You don't have my agendas. Your way is not my way. My way is the right one. And often Christians forget to do God's real work of ministering to those who are hungry for his word and for his truth in their life. Some get seduced into believing that God's kingdom is some kind of exclusive resort and so spend their time judging. Yet in the process, they completely fail to recognize that the world is suffering around them. I wonder what we notice about others before we recognize Jesus in them. And that might be the person who sits at the next desk to you. That might be the next door neighbor. What do we notice about others before we recognize Jesus in them? Because Jesus is there somewhere waiting to be acknowledged. In his account of the Passion, St. Mark tells us that it's a Roman soldier who recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah and not the Jews who watch his crucifixion. It's a foreigner, it's Simon of Cyrene, who helps Jesus carry his cross and not his own disciples. It's the women who discover him missing and not the men. The whole Easter story is about others recognizing Jesus in the most unlikely moments. This also reminds us that the whole church today needs to recognize this male Jesus in the ministry of women far more than it does. The church has to constantly take the Easter story as its example. If Jesus thought that women should be taught, and he did, and if he accepted them into his little band, and he did, and if he created a community where in him there is no longer male or female, and he did, and if he decided to entrust the credibility of the resurrection the single most world-changing event in the history of the human race, if he decided to entrust that to a group of women who in those days were not even allowed to speak in court, and he did, then it's about time elements of the worldwide church today caught up with that. And this leads me to our final point. The eternal kingdom meaning for us. 
We here have an idea of what it means to work for the eternal purpose. We've said many times, purpose and not preference. As we move forward together, it might be that some initiative emerges that you'll wonder about, rightly perhaps. It may not look as you expect. There may be new thoughts and things that would not have been recognizable in church even 10 years ago. My prayer is that you will now recognize elements of our core theology that we all contributed to, that God has given us together in every endeavor that we do. It would have started with the eternal kingdom, the future growth of this wonderful core at its heart. Mary thought Jesus was the gardener. The concept of the garden is actually deeply theological. I think Carolyn has actually spoken about this before. There are parallels between Jesus as a gardener and the first man, Adam, who was, of course, the original gardener in the Garden of Eden. Remember that the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, the name Adam meaning man or earth. So Adam and Eve sin in this garden, but by his resurrection, Jesus restores all creation and all creation recognizes him as Lord of all. The original human story started in the Garden of Eden. The new story starts from a tomb in a garden. The original story starts with a wholeness that led to brokenness in a garden. The new story starts with brokenness in Christ's broken body, which might also speak to your story of brokenness or that time when you were broken, or you may feel yourself being fractured and broken at the moment by a, a circumstance that nobody else knows about. Recognize, will you, the restoring power of Jesus. And I wonder if maybe after his resurrection, Jesus reaches down and digs into the soft earth of the tomb, and he takes it in his hands and he says, it is good again. God saw that it was good in Genesis. And Jesus must reiterate that. Somebody brought the word hope. Lord, you are hope. We are never, ever hopeless. That is so for your life as well. So tomorrow, whatever the day holds, wherever you are, office politics, household errands, interruptions, Every one of them is an opportunity to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to become like Jesus. He may turn up, not as you expect, a way out thought, a word that someone speaks to you on the phone, an email that has come, or somebody physically looking. You don't know what they look like. He may not look as you expect. But when you forget and maybe mess up tomorrow, you possibly will, don't beat yourself up. There's a rule for tomorrow. Don't beat yourself up. Just stop and say, Lord, forgive me. I take this next moment as another chance. As someone once said, our mistakes are lessons, not life sentences. Recognize again his redeeming work on the cross. Every moment, another chance. This moment, right here, we watch, we listen, 
we are open. He looks like a gardener, but God is in him. I might look like a gardener this morning, I don't know. It doesn't matter whether I do or whether I don't. But I just want to say to you, if and when you think back to your core officer preaching, not looking as you would have expected, you can do a couple of things. You can consciously say, ah, that reminds me to say, Jesus, will you work with me today? Or you might consciously say, I must stop and say, and acknowledge him and say, Lord, you are. And then whatever it is. He looks like a gardener, but God is in him. And may that be so for all of us, however we look, however we carry ourselves, we look for Jesus. Christ is in you. See Christ in others, for God has made it good again. Do I hear an amen? Let's pray. We're going to look at some of a video. Or really, it's only words coming up. I, I prefer it if you close your eyes and listen. But if you want the words, they will come up. The song is, Come and See, Come and Recognize. With Christ as the gardener of new creation, we have all hope. Isaiah 55, 13. Instead of the thorn bush shall come up the juniper. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And Revelation 22. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be there anymore. He is the gardener who turns every wasteland, including yours and mine, into flourishing life.